0: I know he was a man who loved to pray. And prayer for him was so much more than a cardboard box. It was so much more than a religious to-do list. It was a time where he encountered his father. A little bit like Caleb encountering his mother. And what we're going to do today and over this short series is look at what Jesus has to say on prayer. He loves prayer. He lived a life of prayer, and my prayer is that we catch his heart for prayer. That our ordinary box prayer life becomes a place where we experience the presence of God, where we experience it like Caleb does—this roller coaster or this you know rocket ship, or excavator, or let your imagination run wild. Well. But if God wants to instill that heart of us when it comes to prayer, now this. The Bible is full of prayer, right Jesus himself prayed many times. Paul prayed many times. There's many scriptures about prayer. we've chosen to look at the Lord's Prayer this time, we will, of course, in the future, look at other prayers. But the Lord's Prayer comes in two places: Matthew 6 and Luke 11. And Luke 11 is a bit shorter. It's Jesus answering some of his disciples who say, "How do we pray?" And Jesus says, "Well I'll teach you, Father." In heaven. It's a bit shorter. And then in Matthew 6, it's a bit more kind of off the cuff. Jesus is just looking around, he's seeing uh, Gentiles, people who aren't followers, um, they're not Jews, they're they're, they're praying to their gods, and he kind of sees the heart behind their prayers. He says, Don't pray like them, this is how we should pray. And then he goes through the prayer Our Father, you are in heaven. So, how does Jesus teach us to pray? Well, the first thing is pretty simple, and and we all know this, Matthew 6 verse 5, Jesus doesn't say if you choose to pray, if you fancy it, it's optional extra. Jesus says when, and we know that, don't we, when you pray, Jesus expected his followers to pray. I hope that doesn't surprise anyone, I've not got any shocked faces in the room. And it wouldn't have shocked anyone when he first spoke it 2,000 years ago. Because the Jews were used to praying. If we remember Daniel that we studied, I hope we remember a bit of the Daniel book that we studied before summer. Yeah. Daniel, who's that? Here's a Bible character. We, uh, we looked at Daniel before summer and we saw in Daniel chapter 6 that he was a man who prayed. So he prayed in the morning, the afternoon and the evening. And for Jews this was just like a regular rhythm to their lives. The pious Jews would pray quickly morning, afternoon, and evening. And so, this wouldn't have come as a surprise when Jesus said, when you pray. They all knew that. Now Jesus doesn't anywhere in the Bible, in the Gospel, say you should pray morning, afternoon, and evening. But what well, he does say is when. He expects us to be a people who pray. How they were to pray, however, would have turned some heads. You see, no God up until that point would have been through stories like in the Exodus when God turns up as a pillar of cloud or a pillar of fire. Unknown. So the question, if you ask the Jews, does God exist? The answer is yeah, absolutely. We read it in our scriptures. Our forefathers experienced the presence of God visibly, literally, they saw physically Look, of course he exists that would be the question the question would have been is god knowable this flame this cloud is he knowable can you touch him can you enjoy his presence can you commune with him can you be with him and jesus as he teaches his disciples to pray gives a commanding yes you can enjoy Him. You can commune with Him. You can be with Him. Jesus, in starting His prayer, introduces God as Noah. Someone to encounter. Someone to experience by using the word Abba. Abba. Father. Abba. Abba. Jesus' holy language, Aramaic. Luke 11 is translated as Father, Personal, Father. In Matthew 6, it's Our Father. Both are good translations. We pray this on our own, we pray this that we just did corporately. But we must not miss the impact of that word. And if you're anything like me, you grew up going to school where you would say the Lord's Prayer every morning. It's just part of who, what you did. And very quickly what happens when you get used to words is you, they lose their impact. When Jesus said, this is how you pray, not fire or cloud or unknowable but apple. That would have had incredible impact. That would have turned some heads. For us it just rolls off the tongue. I don't think anyone was shocked when we started our father. I didn't hear any, <gasps> For them, that's exactly probably what they've done. Abba. Jesus introduces people to a God that's noble, a God that welcomes, a God that loves. Abba. And he does it in his own language, which is beautiful. Because in Isaiah 56, there's this prophetic promise that Isaiah promises through God that my house would be a house of prayer for the nations. But up until that point, that had not been fulfilled. His house was a house for the Jews. Hebrew was the sacred language. So prayers would have been in Hebrew. As they opened the scrolls and heard the scriptures, it would have been in Hebrew. So his house was not a house for the nations. His house was a house for the Jews, with Hebrew as the sacred language. Notice, Jesus doesn't use Hebrew. He uses his heart language, Aramaic, the language he grew up with with his brothers and speaking to with his mother. Aramaic, Abba. And what he does in doing this is he demonstrates something without saying it that is incredibly important. There is no sacred language. Hebrew is no more sacred than Aramaic which is no more sacred than Swedish, or Portuguese, or English, or any other language. Which is wonderful. I don't need to learn Hebrew. I don't need to be teaching you all in Hebrew, I could. I choose not (laughs) (laughs) to. You can ask me afterwards if that's true or not. (laughs) No need. Thanks, Joe. It's nice to shut hands. Uh, But yeah, he, he, he demonstrates that all are welcome. Everyone is welcome. Whatever language you speak, And 2,000 years later, we are living proof of that as we just look around, as I get to look around all you, I don't don't know how many nations we have represented here, how many mother tongues we have represented here, English, Swedish, and a bunch more. And that's beautiful. What that means is that you can come into the presence of God in your heart language. You can access God in Portuguese. Beautiful. And very practically, as a church, we, we, we use, at the front here, you'll have noticed today, English and Swedish, we're an international bunch, those are two languages that most of us speak and you know, are comfortable with, but we encourage contributions during worship, prayers, and perhaps you've been standing there for weeks now, I just want to pour out my heart to God, but I can't, because I don't speak strong enough English or Swedish. I want to encourage you, pour out your heart to God in whatever language you feel comfortable. To God. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Next Sunday as we worship, if you feel I want to speak to God in my language, then go for that. You might have to excuse someone coming up thinking it's a tongue and interpretation. <laughs> but we're family together, right? And we can pour out our heart in the language of our heart. So, Abba, all are welcome. choosing this word Abba, not only does he open the door, Jesus opened the door to all nations, all languages, but he says that the unknowable God is knowable. And how he chooses to reveal himself to us is Father. God is our Father. He is our Father. Now the sad reality Is that for some of us that's not a good thing. For some of us, we have earthly fathers that are caused to hurt. Perhaps we don't have an earthly father. And so even perhaps when we start praying the Lord's Prayer, as we start talking about this word, memories come up that aren't good, that are painful, that have for those of us that are fortunate to have father an okay father we know no one's father is perfect no one had a perfect father and so when we come to this word it brings a lot of baggage with it and so to understand what jesus meant by father we need to understand how he saw father and he tells us about that in luke 15 in this story of Of a wealthy estate, of a wealthy man, and his two sons. And one of his sons gets fed up of living with his father and his riches and just wants the riches for himself. So he says to his father, Give me my inheritance. And the father, in grace and love, does what the son asks. And the son runs away to a different city, a distant city, and he spends all his money lavishly. Wastes it all. So much so that he ends up living with pigs. Not, uh, not allowed to eat the food of the pigs, but just living with them. Not looking at that pig food and thinking, oh, it looks delicious, but no, I can't have it. Which for a Jew would have been quite a low place to be. And then wondering in that place, in that pigsty, do you know what? My father's servants have plenty of food, they have a roof over their head. I wish my father was dead. I ran away. I spent all his money. But I wonder if he would accept me back. And so he boldly or tre- like nervously goes on the journey to the father's house. And before he can even make it to this stage, the father, who has been on his rooftop looking out, sees he runs, which in Middle Eastern. Culture, you don't do as a working man. There's no respect in that. He shows his knees. You don't do that in that culture. Such is his love for this son, and he embraces him. And he calls. And even as the son's trying to like, get out his apology, like "I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. Call you," he just doesn't bother listening. He calls the, ser- calls the servants. Get the fat and calf. My son, who was dead, is now alive. He puts a robe on him, he puts a finger, a ring on his finger. They celebrate effectively the Father bringing the Son back into his inheritance, back into the Father, the Father's house. Such grace, such like unboundless love. The Father shows that that is Jesus's. Definition of father, full of grace. As the prodigal runs away, like, you can't go far enough. The father will we always welcome you back again. That is Jesus's definition of. of father that we have in our heads not the picture of the father that perhaps we have experienced all once prodigals, living in the peace the worst of the worst, wondering, could we boldly approach the Father, and the Father welcomes us. That is our Father, full of grace, full of love, and understanding that, it unlocks the rest of the Lord's prayer. We acknowledge, as children, we come to the Father, and we pray, your kingdom come, not our kingdom. We acknowledge that we can't provide, that he can provide, us. he's our Father, to give us today our daily bread. We acknowledge that we, we, we can't be led out of temptation, so please lead us out of temptation. We can't deliver ourselves from the evil one, but our Father in heaven can. And so as children, we acknowledge the Father, lead us, protect us, secure us, and he does. Understanding the Lord's Prayer has to be based on understanding your relationship with the father, your child. You're loved by an outrageously, outrageously good father. Isn't that great? It's just so beautiful. That is the reality. happen is that the enemy, we can allow the enemy, sorry, to get a foothold in our prayer lives. In, some, in an aspect of our Christian walk, is so, so, so important. We can allow the enemy to get a foothold, a foot in the door of our prayer lives. John Wesley famously said, God does nothing but in answer answers prayer. That's a massive statement that you could definitely discuss. But wow, God does nothing but an answer to prayer. But through frustration in unanswered prayer, allow the enemy to get a foothold in this incredibly important aspect of what Jesus has called us to do. The enemy has not got new tricks. We can go all the way back to the garden. Did God really say, "Don't do that"? Did God really say His love? Did God really say the prayer of a righteous man? Did God really say he would give you good things? And why hasn't he answered that prayer? That's a good prayer. He prayed for good things. We can allow the enemy just to, just to get that foot in. If he loved you, you've seen the answer to that. And, I, I mean, I, 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 can, I can list off unanswered prayers for you. You can do a preaching on unanswered prayers. That's next week. i back. That's not. But it's of unanswered prayers. We all live with the reality of that. And it's frustrating and it can hurt. But it doesn't mean that God is not a good father. It doesn't mean that. If anyone has ever looked after a child, you will know that. Oscar, Freddie, my children, Caleb can't speak yet, but he'll, he'll get on to this. Dad, can we have sweets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Dad, Dad. No, you can't. It's bad for you. Dad, you hate us. You hate us. And he goes, it's just this conversation. I'm like, no, it's bad for you. No, no, no. You hate us. i like, no, 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 I love you. And that's why I'm saying, let's not have sweets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But that's like kids, right? And we all understand that. Out of love, I say no. Out of love for their teeth and their little bodies, I say no, it's not good to have all uh, sweets for lunch, breakfast, dinner. We're good at saying that, right? But are we good at hearing that? When we come as children, in front of the Father, and he says no, When he says, that's not good for you. When he says, not yet, you're not old enough. How good are we Gary about this recently in China. I think this is the reason they want to move to China. You can get delivery on the same day. Which is amazing. That way, is a real reason they're moving back to China. <laughs> it's just to <been> put out there. <laughs> but it's like we live in this instant materialistic society. Just like moving from one thing to another, consuming and spitting out, consuming and spitting out, quicker, quicker, quicker. If you watch a film from the 60s, and there's like a scene for three minutes. Don't know what to do with yourself. Now movies are like this. Every three seconds there's a new scene in case you're going to fall asleep. It's an instant society that we've been trained and moulded into. And I want to suggest that, that has somehow seeped into our prayer lives. As Jesus teaches on prayer, he turns the tables upside down. Jesus teaches that prayer isn't about necessarily efficiency. Perhaps prayer's primary goal isn't about getting results. Perhaps prayer's primary goal isn't about necessarily seeing answers to our prayer. Perhaps Jesus' vision for prayer is a lot more simple. A place where we enjoy the presence. Father. A place where we enjoy as children the presence of the Father. A, Father. Adam, our Father. As we've been going through the uh, last couple of weeks of prayer, as we've been praying regularly in different settings, I have found physical closeness to God that I haven't really felt for a long time and I haven't seen any. More. I've been praying for very specific things we have friends who are sick with life threatening illnesses, I'm praying for that, at the moment I haven't seen any answers to those prayers I'm praying for salvation, that people will come and know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, at the moment over these last couple of weeks I've not seen any answers to that, but what I have done is enjoy being with Father And that's something he's never going to say no to. You're always welcome to enjoy the Father. You're always welcome to enjoy the presence of God. And the prophetic word that Verity shared with us last Sunday about us striking a match, about us seeing progress in different areas of our lives, as the prophetic word that um, Job, the scripture that he shared, and that Nina shared about like, these new um, like rivers of water and new paths being created come from a place of enjoying the presence of God. They come from a place of, as children, coming to the Father and just sitting with Him. How will we see salvation? Well, we we'll tell people. Why do we tell people about Jesus? because we enjoy Him, because He's good, because we love Him, because He's the greatest thing that's ever happened to us. And of course you want to share that with other people. And it comes from a place of enjoying the presence of God. Friends, enjoying God's presence is not a waste of time. If you've ever been to one of our prayer meetings, you'll know that, as in Battleground, we have this Friday coming, you'll know that we spend a lot of time in worship. I do not play the guitar. Because I do. I play the, little, you know, the air guitar. Yeah. But we enjoy the presence of God. We worship and worship and worship and do you know We mix the good stuff. We've got, prayers, we've got prayers to get through. Hello. Now we always treat Jesus like a cosmic vending machine. But that's the reason he came down. To answer, like a genie in a So he can answer our wishes. Our prayers. I tell you, enjoying the presence of God is not a warm-up or an appetizer. It is an appetizer, it is the main course, it is the dessert, it's what it's all about. And I'm convinced that as we go into this new season, that we are going to enjoy being in the presence of God even more than what we have before. And from there, we will be launched into mission. We will be sustained through mission as we enjoy the presence of God, as we come to our Father. There's a story of Mary and Martha in Luke, where Martha, two two ladies get Jesus around the house, and and Martha's busy doing all this stuff. She's angry with her sister. She's like, Mary, Jesus, she's she's sitting at your feet. Tell her to do something. What are you doing? And Jesus says, now she's chosen the better portion. Sit at the feet. Enjoy his presence. Don't worry about the prayer lists. Don't worry about the dishes. Enjoy the presence of the Father. And this is the heart of prayer, because this is the heart of God. Jesus came, as I said, not as a cosmic vending machine. He came to restore relationship. If you wouldn't call Jesus your friend, your Saviour, your Lord. Why did Jesus come? What is all this, why, perhaps this is your first time at church, like, why are they all like happy about Jesus? Like, who is this guy? Wasn't he 2,000 years ago sort of got killed? Jesus came for you to restore relationship. A relationship that we, through our choices, had broken. Jesus comes to restore that. Not necessarily to give you all your heart's wishes, but to restore the greatest wish of all time. God, man, restored. Relationship. That's why Jesus came. And so that is the heart behind prayer. Because as we step into prayer, we have a relationship with the Father. That's how we demonstrate our relationship. We talk to Him. We love Him. We say, Worthy, Worthy, Worthy. We sing songs. Why do we sing out all at the same time? Like Adam was encouraging us. Because we want to talk to our Father about how good He is. We love Him all about, and it's all based on relationships. That's what Christianity is. It's not about long prayers. It's not about giving arms necessarily. In fact, Jesus in Matthew six—that's what he he said—don't pray long prayers. They were used to pray super long prayers, introductions that would have literally taken me if I read one to you the whole of my preach. I just—they wouldn't—they didn't want to miss any names in case they offended the God or the emperor they were praying to, so they listed every name. Jesus says, don't do that. He sees the heart behind the prayer. He says, pray like this. Father, keep your words simple. Keep your words clear. Speak in your language, the language of your heart. Speak to me. You don't need to impress me. I see you. I see you're not very impressive. You don't need to put on a show. I see everything about you. You don't need to put on shake others because I am the one who cares it doesn't matter what others think it matters what I think don't try and impress your neighbour don't pray long prayers so that you can get around the floor to the end don't give alms so that you can get around the course. that's impressive work no. I know you are pray to me pray simple. is willing and wanting to transform dull cardboard box prayer into a place of excitement, a place of encounter, a place of enjoying the presence of the Father. When Caleb's eyes saw this box, they went like this, really big, super excitement. I believe that God is going to widen our eyes when it comes to prayer. We've got a prayer meeting coming up this Friday. Oh prayer meeting and a busy day at work. I believe we going to turn that around. I can't wait to get to that prayer meeting. That is where I, I encounter Adam. That is where I encounter my father with my brothers and sisters as together we join in and say, our Father. Hallowed be your name. And we worship him and we fix our eyes upon him. Let's approach prayer like Caleb approaches empty cardboard boxes. Al, <laughs> and um, you come up. What we're going to do is, uh, we're going to have a time of worship now, and I just, as we, uh, uh, the first song we're going to sing is, Goodness of God, and I spoke to Al about this, I really feel that as we sort of land today, there is a real reality that people will have questioned the love of God for ourselves. Does he really and Perhaps even the end of is good. Okay, I'm yeah. foot in the door, foothold. I think God's really saved us stuff. Actually, there's an opportunity now, as we respond in song, to pray. And perhaps even put some stuff in front of God and say, no, I love you, God. There's been frustrations, there's been hurt, and today I want to turn a new page. There may be some of us in this room who aren't believers. Who wouldn't, as I said, call Jesus our savior. This is an opportunity right now as we sing, I love you, God, to say I want to follow you, Jesus. Everything that I have, I want to.